Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Phil. Joining me as usual, well, back now from his holiday is Rohan. Welcome back. That's right. Thank you. And today we are joined by Jan. How's it going? Hey, good. Thank you for having me here. No problem. Where are you joining us from? Well, um, right now I'm sitting in Sweden, the south part of Sweden. Yep. And originally from Czech Republic, from Prague. Nice. So Nice. Europe. But I feel more Swedish right now than <laughs> five years. So. Feel, feel more Swedish? <laughs> fair enough. All right. I, well, I don't speak Swedish, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But do you like Ikea? Uh, well, I do have few stuff from Ikea. I guess well, I don't have the buttons here right now. But yeah, I guess <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone does it. Like, I have the headquarters, like... I have the headquarters like 600 meters away. Nice. So, oh wow. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> it, yeah. But I. Yeah. I'll talk about it a little bit later. But yeah, I don't use it much. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. That's all right. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, uh, as usual, this episode of the Home Assistant Podcast is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabu Casa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done via the user interface, so no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right, Rohan, um, Frank had like a whole soundboard for his uh, ad read. <laughs> I know, so. I know, I can't, I can't compete, so I, uh, I am second best <laughs> for that one. Um, but so, yeah, take it away, Rohan. You can ask the first questions. Grill, grill Jan here. Go for it. All right. So, Jan, I mean, well, let's just start with the basics. How, uh, what got you into home automation? How long have you been doing it? Well, I think it's maybe like five, six years ish right now. Yeah. I, um, I was always like about computers and I work as an architect and so it's, I kind of like grew, but I was, I was more into self hosting and which is, by the way, the reason why I'm here because I think you, you mm-hmm. had Alex, I think to, yep years ago yep. and yep. uh so i was that was the beginning of the self-hosted podcast and i i, I heard it's like there's a home assistant podcast so i joined and uh but i was doing the home assistant if maybe a year and a half before that something like that but i started with open hub and i was fighting with it a lot and i tried home assistant once but that was um yeah i i I remember I didn't have a very good experience. I was very much into Z-Wave by that time. So uh, I know that in the beginnings it wasn't working great. And it was quite, I, I had quite hard time to set up anything. Uh, it was so yeah, a pain for, in the ass, right? You had XML yeah. files that you'd have to go in and yeah. change yeah. little variables to get, you know, exactly. perfect. Yeah. So, so it, it ended up that I stayed for maybe more half a year more in with with open hub but then eventually i i found that my colleagues are using home assistant and so i was like okay let's let's go home assistant route and i didn't have that much z-wave by that time so as you said like i start trying ikea i went into into zigbee more yeah and and it, it it did like massive step from since since that maybe like five six years ago and and uh like right now, it's it's you can't compare it really. Like right now, it's it's a very much mature project. Yeah. Which by the time I wouldn't classify that, but like even with with the knowledge I had about the general like IT, I I wasn't able to figure out those stuff. So it was <laughs> it was 
quite hard and, and I, I didn't want to consider the home home automation as a failure. So I stayed with the whole open hub for, for a while, but yeah, I eventually gave up on that because uh, the there was a lot of different dashboards and a lot of different configuration and yeah. And by the time I think Home Assistant already was were way more seamless and then very much everything looked quite same. And, and even though that you had a lot of YAML, I, I didn't mind because it was just config. So it wasn't, it wasn't hard. Yeah. So, yeah. Did, did you try any others like smart things or any of those kind of things or? Well, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't know. Like I, it, it was more like controlling stuff. So, um, like the throat free from, from IKEA and, uh, also yeah, Philips U as well. And it was, I, around the same time we, we moved to Sweden with my wife, we both start like adopting Apple a lot. So, mm. uh, but by the time everything home kit was quite expensive. So it, it took me, it took me a while before, before we got into the state where, where like we could start adopting home kit, but that was already home assistant. So really, mm, I think the home uh, open hub was really, really the only proper automation. So what was your initial driver to start down the smart home path? Because obviously you started with like playing, playing, tinkering, chasing <laughs> uh, yeah. stuff, yeah. making your life complicated. I mean, if, if, if you would say that I can have like Lego instead of the home, home automation, I would go, go for it. So yeah. I think it's, the, yeah. So I, like initially it was, it was really just, Oh, this is something that I would like to try. I saw people with the, with the hue and everything and then doing like nice stuff. Um, but then I think we start quite getting used to everything and, and expanding. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's a rabbit hole and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, an understatement. It, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm fully consumed right now. Uh, it, it's, Right now, the, the good thing is that like my wife's on board very much, and yeah, so I'm, I'm she's involved in the decisions on what what's nice, <laughs> what's, what's not nice, what's wor- working not good, and and that there are a few few times that she asked me to to do something like differently or maybe to to maybe create something as well. So uh, I think that there is a harmony in, inside that <laughs> as well, huh. uh, which I'm I'm guessing that everyone has, and I believe that. Uh, there are some scenarios, especially when, when everything gets screwed up. I think that's where, where you usually lose the trust quite yeah. quickly. And, uh, I think that's at least, at least my motto, not, not try not to do this. So, <laughs> and that's, yeah, so yeah I, I think this is, this is very much everyone will, will feel the same way, but even like, even the personal trust that you you eventually if it if it gets screwed up quite a lot even like you will start like oh okay maybe it wasn't a great idea um but luckily i didn't have it yet i hope i didn't jinx it just right now but <laughs> um like my my all lights will go down right now but yeah that's, <laughs> that's right. it all the lights will turn off <laughs> all kinds of now, yeah we, we can call <laughs> you felt with the lights just randomly turning off yeah <laughs> I can do that right now as well, but I don't <laughs> want to. Um, so it is, I believe, um, I, I think that there has to be some, some harmony in how much you want to involve everything inside it. Like I would never automate like bathroom lights. 
yeah, like the the hardcore bar, bathroom bathroom lights. I can have like some additional one and stuff. Like you want to have some like lower intensity or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, that's like I I don't want to touch anything in the bathroom, for example, because I don't think it's I, I, yeah I don't think you have time to troubleshoot anything. So uh, so it's I think it's there has to be some compromises. You can yeah. Now let let me ask you. So on on the topic of bathroom lights and and like the complications behind doing stuff like that. Are you more of a smart switch or a smart light kind of person? Like, would you rather buy a smart bulb or would you rather buy a smart switch? Do you do you take as a combination as a yeah, as a of course. answer? Because yeah. be, uh, before I would say smart switch. Yeah. So not the switch. We usually put like the boxes behind the switch. Yeah. Either Shelly or there's the Dakar Aquara or sure some other branches uh, branches. Uh, sorry, brands. Um, yep. Now I'm talking git. Sorry. Yeah, some other brands. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a random git merge conversation there for a second. <laughs> yeah. So um, there are different brands, but um, I would try to avoid like Wi-Fi. Like I would, I would stick with the Zigbee or Z-Wave. Why either of those? And I, I have few of like the Fibaro switches or the, the Aquara. The Aquara I kind of hate because they're like squared. So even if you have like the, the, the box behind the wall switch, if it's like empty and there are no cables, it's still hard to fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what, what, um, what I really liked is the, uh, Hue released this sometimes last year. Damn it. Why it's opening Swedish website. They, they released wall switch module. Uh, which is, which is basically just a really thin box running on, of battery that you put inside, beh- behind this, like, normal switch. Mm-hmm. You connect just the cables to the switch and, like, the normal power cables you connect together. So this is the only thing that's connected to the switch. And it basically just controls it, the switch. So you still have the same switch. You have it integrated within Hue and, or anything Zigbee, I guess. And you can set whatever light on top of it. Right. And it's working with the dimming, like, or like dimming. I mean, the, uh, the time that it's turning on, like, yeah, like that, it's like not that like a sharp, yeah. gradual. Yeah, exactly. On. Yeah. Um, exactly. Or you can, you can even have like molds that you can, if you quickly turn it off twice, it will do something different than if you do it once. Plus each of the modules natively has like two pair of wires. So you can, you can have like, like the double rocker. Or even you can, you doesn't have to be like the rock, rocker. It can be just like button. But I found that as like really the best solution I found so far because it's really thin. So you can fit it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, it's not like, uh, something that can kill you if it goes wrong. Right. I mean, you still need to connect the wires together and behind the switch, but that's usually sure. quite easy. It's, you, you don't have to bend them. You can, you can just connect them. They are like the, the, the wago clamps or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you can you can connect those, and then this is operating on like one cell coin butter, I believe, and it's it's great. I I think this was exactly what we ex- like wanted. So so this all the switches at home looks very much same as this when we moved, and they are all smart. And like the the, the claiming battery life is like five years that you is saying, and so 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 every five years you kind of have to open it up and. Swap I have no idea. It's or your, so whenever, it's whenever it there, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I believe so. I guess it depends on how often you press it because I believe it, it's only, it's only active when you press the button. Right. So if it's not, then I guess it can last, last longer. I don't know. 
Cool. Um, so I would say this combination is the the best one I've be found. And is that actually changing like the physical status of the light bulbs connected to the switch? Or is it no, only... no, no. It, it doesn't. No. So what you do is that you take the the wires that are normally plugged in into the switch, yep. and you plug them together as as the light would be always on. Gotcha. So and then this is just a separate thing. So it's not connected to your electricity in, in any way. Yep. It's just a separate box that you can stick in the back of the normal like switch and just connect the wires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's completely safe. I would say it's it's not anything that that you would have to add additional wires or worry about overheating because for for example like the Shelly switches they 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 are heating quite a lot I think there was like 80 degrees Celsius something like that wow. when when you had something a little bit more powerful on top of it so it is I think the, the safest option plus it's very much certified for the European market which well I wouldn't put anything that's not inside the walls anyway but Still, I think yeah. this is this is the best best option, especially during like due to the due to the size because it's like way thinner than anything else you can find. And I yeah. guess that now gives you the cost the the benefit of uh, a Philips Hue bulb that can do color changing with yep. a physical switch on the wall. Like, they yeah. can be, and yeah. Holmes like, always can, knows what the status is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can you can um, like I'm. I said I use a Zigbee, but. For I'm using the Philips Hue, or we are using Philips Hue. Yeah. Like the application and the hub, because like even if everything goes down, I still want the lights to be able to like work, right? Yep. And I want to do the home assistant updates and and or update infrastructure that I have at home, and I still want the lights to be able to so I can control them. So uh, for me, I was like using the Decons, um, mm. like the the, the the German stick. Yeah, and with the, the combi stick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm still using it for, like, the IKEA stuff, although yeah. it's mostly sensors and small, like, the few of those, like, switches. But yeah. I'm trying to look if I have some some of them here, but apparently not. Um, so I'm I'm using a few of those, um, whether, like, where I can have, like, the Hue, so then it's driven through Home Assistant. Yeah. Uh, but like the Hue is like separate unit for me, for us. Uh, and also you have like, um, you have the possibility of like the extra features for, for you. Like if you have the Philips TV or, uh, if you have, um, you have like right. those dynamic scenes, which are not really something you can really do with any like, uh, Zigbee to MQTT or, or the ZHA or something like that. You can't really use those dynamic scenes in any way. So this is something that's that's driven only by 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 the Hue integration. So I'm basically staying with that. Plus I'm kind of my OCD is seeing some available updates and not click on it. So if <laughs> if I would <laughs> if I would use Decons or something like that, I yeah. I would be I, I want to update the lights, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I I want everything to be up to date and. Um, this was driving me crazy because the IKEA, you can, if you have the, like the, the Foscon application, you can update the IKEA stuff, but you can't do it with, with the Hue because they are not releasing the, uh, the firmware like to the third party. Have you, have you found that IKEA does regular updates? Cause I, I literally, I put my, I only have two Tradfury lights. I put those in when I got them and I looked and obviously cause they were up to date when I bought them. 
and then, and I honestly haven't even looked after that. I know I know IKEA makes them publicly available. I just haven't bothered. Like, but what do you what do you use as a, for for controlling Zigbee? Uh, ZHA. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think isn't there available as well that you can update the firmware? I think you can you can download yeah. it. I, I don't. Uh, I know that uh, there are some websites that you can check the firmware at, but I don't. I don't know out of my head. Like, what what is the what is the? But I like. I know that they are doing like at least maybe yearly or something like that because yeah. I know that I, I used to use them quite a lot because they were way cheaper than than the Hue. But uh, we got it wasn't ideal because especially when you have like multiple lights in array mm-hmm. and you want them to turn on at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like impossible to do it with, yeah. with ZIJ because the way it like needs to ping each light separately with the hue it does it like at the same time so the all the hue lights are like listening at the same frequency or for for the same data stream or whatever so can you, you like, like can you not put it in a group would that not help it or is it still because that's what uh, again for my again my two trad free bulbs that i have that's what I, I have them both in a group and i find that it does come on at the same time maybe it's just accidental because uh, i just yes, have two but the, I, you can put them in the group in the in the Foscon as well but I, that occasionally didn't help. Occasionally, it still happened that like they they turned on at different times. Right. Well, like wasn't a huge delay, but you could see it. It looked weird. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like where um, like one comes up and then the other one comes up after. Yeah. Like, exactly. That is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and like I don't with using the hue like this, I there is no issue. And maybe I don't know how many lights you have in hue. I can probably see it in devices. But like it, quite a lot. You yeah, thirty five devices devices but i guess that's controllers as well mm-hmm. um so and it's working like completely smooth and i didn't i don't really have any zigbee because i i saw like many people complaining about zigbee not being completely reliable but right. i think the main reason for that is that the wi-fi is running on the same same frequency and in most of the apartment buildings uh you have the luxury of seeing seeing everyone else <laughs> Wi-Fi, yeah. and yes. they don't they don't really care that you are running Zigbee as well, right? <laughs> uh, like the the house we live in is is full concrete almost, so yeah. I see just my own Wi-Fi, and then I can control like which access point can be on which frequency and just do the Zigbee in the middle. Yeah, and I have no interference as far as I know, and. Everything is basically instant. Even if it goes through like home assistant and I have like the, the IKEA throat free switch and I can press it and, and the hue like go up, goes up immediately. And I never had any delay in this case, unless the battery is dead. Then yes. Sure. <laughs> How are you driving your smart home? Do you use voice? Have you got tablets around um, the house or is it just buttons that you've? No, using. well, like we we have um, we use mostly HomeKit, and I think that was that was the reason why I got into the uh, your invitation, Phil, because I was mentioning it on the on the on the Discord, I believe, mm. and mm-hmm. then I was still no one was talking about it, and I, then Rosemary came and talked about it. But <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, I want it as well. But no, I think um, since I was saying we are quite a lot into Apple as well, and. <laughs> HomeKit works like brilliantly, and it's it's local. Also, if you have like Apple TV or iPad or whatever, you can you can use it like as a remote 
control as well. Yeah. So I'm at the PC. If I'm at the PC, I, I use like the home assistant, either the app on the Mac or the website. Mm-hmm. But if, if I'm on the phone or my wife, we, we use the Apple HomeKit exclusively because first of all, you have it like directly integrated in, every, in the, uh, in the iPhone or in the watch as well. Yeah. Or in the on the Apple TV as well, so you can you can like really quickly pull up the menu to to shut down something, or you can like tell it tell the Siri to shut down lights or whatever. Yeah. So like voice barely. It's it's if if I if the like phone is not reachable like within the arm distance, then I would ask Siri to turn on or off some lights. Uh, but otherwise, usually like the HomeKit, and we have like old tablet at the entrance. So it has like um, a modified version of the dashboard for Home Assistant to to just be able to quickly see like the, but you know the temperature outside or the forecast or our, mm-hmm. how much electricity um, we use or what's the cost of the electricity right now or like you can shut down the lights if you are leaving the house as well. Like there is a, some automation behind it, but you maybe don't want to wait for that to happen automatically or yeah yeah yeah, yeah you so, got like an override to be able to yeah I would say combination. Or- but main, mainly, mainly the HomeKit, I would say. And are you using like any like HomeKit bridge from Home Assistant to then expose your devices yes. into uh, HomeKit? Like aren't HomeKit? Well, certified, I guess? not not the bridge. I, I directly directly use the HomeKit integration inside inside the Home Assistant. Yeah. Uh, so I have few six six different the, the HomeKit integrations because especially if you want like cameras, they they supposed to be exposed as a single device yes. so for that you want to you know it's it's done this way but um yes i i it's just directly homekit communicating or the, the, the home assistant directly being called by homekit i know that there are some people already testing the the matter uh because apple released it basically a few months before home assistant home assistant officially yeah. And so you can, there, there are some people testing already, like trying to communicate with, with the matter between, between the home assistant and, and, uh, the home kit. Uh, but then that's just Wi-Fi or Ethernet based. So, um, it's not the threat or threat slash Zigbee. Uh, but it's still like they, they were able to reach, I believe, like turning on lights and everything. Uh, but there are still many, many things that are not part of that protocol as, uh, you know, cameras or sure. vacuum cleaner or whatever. So that that's still missing. But I think it's a, it's a good good thing to to watch for the future. So yeah, I'm really excited to see because I think Homeless just added Matter in 2022.12. Yeah. yeah, obviously there's no devices out there that support it. Um, but I think now that's open out there in the public, it'll be interesting to see what people are going to start doing with it. Um, I think just starting yeah. to prepare, yeah. right? I think people can can try to do maybe check it if they have Apple TV or HomeKit. They can they can try to mm. try to maybe start playing if 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 it's available. Like to just communicate between the Apple TV and, and Home Assistant. Because I think it should work. But as you say, it's otherwise not much stuff available for it, or maybe nothing. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I wonder if yeah, because if you can do if the Matter integration for for Apple TV is better. Right. Or more local, more, I guess it, it's local otherwise too, but it's, it's kind of the Apple TV. I've always find it a little more clunky than your average kind of integration, right. In in home assistant, but yeah. 
like I think that it is it is good start for the future to to mm-hmm. get everyone unified. But it's, totally agree. Uh, it's still like way more beneficial to to use some of the integrations you have uh, because as, as I think it was Frank who said that that it's it's still way um, way more advanced. You have way more functions and. Similar to exactly. how you were describing yeah. Philips Hue before, right? Like you're not going to get yeah, exactly. game totally. sync or, you know, those fancy yeah. light dynamic scenes yeah. using matter. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think that you can, you can expect that to work really because yeah. I think this is, this is still very much aimed to be something that, that the, uh, the Hue bridge does. But I believe they, the, what they are planning to do is maybe not even individual bulbs, but with the old bulbs, you can still use the Hue bridge. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a like matter speaker, right? So um, I guess that that could, and I believe that most like lot of the lot of the companies would do the same thing because I think the beauty of the matter is that it's still you can still use Wi-Fi. Uh, it's it's just the the yeah. protocol that they have to implement. So even the devices that you already have may eventually speak matter one one day. Of course, yeah, it's like, just a, it, an upgrade, right? Like a firmware yeah. update. Of course, like the the low volt, low voltage and 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 long lasting stuff. If if it's going to use the thread, then it's that that would be like even like step further. But yeah, um, hard, hard to say like how how long that will take before um, before that goes in. Also, before everyone gets gets the sky connect. So well, I was gonna say I think just developing protocols again. You can't. You have to do it slowly, right? And and build it one thing at a time. But the difference right. with building a product like home assistant is the home assistant team can just whip out updates and start doing whatever. But when it comes to matter, which is like, you know, you look at who all are involved, it's all large companies. There's, there's smaller companies in there too, but you look at large companies and stuff like that. They can't just pivot their product to do uh, a bunch yep. of things. Right. So it, it ends up being a lot slower, but I guess for the best, but yeah. And, and like we already have so much stuff that I, I don't think that it really matters that you will be yeah. wait, waiting. Um, you will be waiting a few more, maybe years or so. Yeah. Um, because I think the, it's still, I believe, still based on Zigbee partially. So it, it still yep. will be like interfering with whatever you have at home. Yep. And, um, well, yeah, I guess it's open standard. So you don't, you don't really have much choice on what to use because if you would go like this Z, you know, Z wave road, then you have different frequencies everywhere. Yeah. And, not much other frequencies are available. Like generally, uh, I guess you get, you have just the Wi-Fi frequencies that you could theoretically use, or the like the the RF frequencies, the four three three or around that. Yeah. Um, which like are the the, the, the really old devices, right? Uh, that can run like forever on the battery. Uh, but then I think there is something that you can't use encryption or whatever. So it's yeah, I think it's it's just about those frequencies, like around the the, the Wi-Fi frequencies that you can really use. Yeah. So we'll someone's see. coming we'll over see. to your house and they walk in. What would they like? Is there anything special about your house? Because it is a smart home powered by home assistant that they wouldn't necessarily see. Like, what's your, you know, <laughs> I guess the party trick? What would you show off uh, for yours? No, for I don't. I, I, I don't think that I have really like this kind of things because it's, it's more like functional stuff. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't, I don't. I really think of it this way. It's 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 really. I'm trying to being practical. So like you know, I can I can show that we can do it with like with the phone or like in in case that would be like standing in front of the house that I could do it. I'll get a remote, etc. Yeah. But it's it's not 
I, I don't mean it to really being like or showing off much. Uh, what yeah. the what are the things that like general like uh, like my or my wife's parents are liking is is the like the notifications when like the washing machine or or dryer is is finished. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so like those kind of things, like the again the practical stuff, right? It's it's not like the entertainment much. It's it's rather the practical stuff that they would uh, guess. And what would like be your most favorite practical item that you've got? Oh, I did a lot of automations, but it's again, it's, it's like tailor made plus, yeah. um, I'm more Node-RED guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I can write Python, I can write JavaScript yeah. and I hate YAML. Like I can, I like it for <laughs> like annotations and, and for like the, sure. like making configuration as well, but like writing automations in it, it's hard, but it, unfortunately, it's also what like if you run Kubernetes and and you have like the Helm yeah. chunks, they are YAML as well. So it's it's kind of like something that you eventually have to reach. But I I do a lot of stuff in in Node-RED, but like really difficult automations. Uh, so I, I combine like the um, the nodes themselves, but also like many times the the function node that you, I write it in JavaScript completely because. I just it would be way dif- way too difficult to, to somehow try to do it in loops, etc. So, uh, like I think the first really big automation that I got uh, was like my wife's commuting to Denmark, and she has to take train, etc. And mm-hmm. not always the trains are on time, right? So it was like checking in the morning, you know, sending notification whether she goes to work or not. If she would set yes, it would start checking if there is a delay in, for the train. And it would be checking based on her position. So if she would be at home in the morning, it would be checking the, the way to the work, if there is like train delays or whatever, or cancellation. And the same thing at work around the time that she would be aiming to go home, which was like guess, of course. Um, it would again uh, start checking whether there are some some of the like traffic issues and and again, send a notification. And of course, all, all that would be actionable. Like that was one of the big ones because, um, again, you, there was no integration like with the, with the API for that, for that like, mm-hmm. um, transport provider. So, uh, I, I, I had to like, uh, check for the APIs and, and write it completely in no thread. Uh, so for me, like the home assistant itself, it's, it's rather like a middleman. Uh, but then most mm. of the automation is in Node-RED and a lot of the stuff is built around it. As I said, like with the UI, for example, it's it's more like the home kit. Uh, so ho- Home Assistant is just, for me at least, it's really making sure that everything speaks the same language. And and then just I, I translate it into the the actions I want inside, uh, inside the Node-RED. Right. Uh, but I have like controlling like lights above the desk. So like I'm... Uh, I have the application on my on my work Mac, so it it knows which applications on. So, for example, in like work during the working day, if I turn on Teams or or Outlook or VS Code or whatever, it's automatically starting like the hype, like the bright light. So it's like the work mode, it, but it wouldn't do that outside of the working time. And it's also like depends whether my like gaming PC is on, so it works on different actions. And so that all is done either like using using the Unify integration because I have like the, the whole network from Unify, yeah, and or or the uh, or the Home Assistant application on the Mac. Uh, so yeah, I think 
there are many, many automations like for alarm or the presence and everything that, that that's typical, I believe, that everyone tries to do, um, which is funny because I, I think it's working quite fine because, again, we are two of us so far. So it's... <laughs> Uh, it's easy to do because we usually, if we are out, we are with our phones. So it's, it's yes. quite easy to, to guess if, if anyone is home. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it happens that like if someone comes home, like the Wi-Fi doesn't pick it up immediately. And then you get an alarm, like the notification. It's like, oh, some, someone, Someone's someone. in the house. You haven't but like the it's, it's not happening that, that much. Uh, but like I have automate, um, like the automation that just checks every sensor that ends with battery. If it mm-hmm. below, if it's below like twenty percent, it just gets me notification. Yeah. Uh, as I was mentioning, like the the washing machine dryer, like that was like particularly hard, especially for the dryer because it, they are not smart. So I have like a block that that can like measure yeah. the the consumption, and like with washing machine, it's okay because the the maximum consumption is is within most of the products. Um, but with the dryer, it was usually above that. So I was searching quite a lot, and it's like a, a local Swedish company that uh, that does those like Z-Wave devices mm-hmm. that can measure three kilowatts, and mm. that was enough to to get the dryer in as well. But also, it it only sends a notification based on who's at home. So if someone's not at home, they don't right. get a notification. Plus, if if neither of us is at home, then I get like the input boolean that. That just gets on, and if someone gets home, uh, it will again get a notification that something finished. So you get delayed notifications as well, which I find quite cool because then you don't forget if you, if you let's say, started the dryer before you went for a walk or whatever. Yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I, um, I do think like if you, th- if you do have like a dryer or a machine that can't, that is too powerful for those smart modules another option could be to use a vibration sensor yeah Yeah. um and then you know as it starts moving say okay someone's activated the the dryer yeah that's another way around it yeah yeah i was uh there was another possibility uh but this this one has a little bit more functions because you can also measure the consumption like overall Mm. like absolutely see how much it's costing right yeah Yeah, exactly so that was beneficial plus like the logic behind it it's not it wasn't like if it's over one watt, take the input billion on, and then if it's below one watt, take it take it like off, and send a notification. I have like it is actually like checking periodically if it's like over some some threshold, and then it's checking if if it was within that threshold for past half an hour. So like let's say you have some like cycles that that goes off for maybe fifteen minutes and just do nothing, and I don't want that to be sending like. Uh, you know, I finished. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, so it was like some some logic behind it um, to make it a little bit more like um, realistic. And that's something, for example, I didn't didn't really find that you have you have like available within the normal automations with the home assistant. 
because like with the note that you can check the past half an hour if it was like above or you can like randomly check other stuff and i think that's that's quite hard to do with, with the automations normally um so i i i quite like like the no thread i idea i would wish that would that it would be in python rather than javascript or sorry yeah, rather than, than javascript so uh that would be way better yeah but yeah. so you've got like so you're obviously preparing node red is there have you looked at the new automation builder in the home assistant front end, like is that uh, a potential I, option for you, or is it still that you prefer the flows of nodes and can do more complicated stuff in, um, in JavaScript? No, I, I I prefer the flows. Like even if I because again there is some like that you you want to make sure that someone else understands if they if they like eventually look at it, and I feel this like a little bit more mm-hmm. clear with the node thread mm-hmm. and. I had the, like, again, when I started with Home Assistant, I tried to use the normal automations or YAML. Yeah. Uh, but I had issues when, like, the, uh, when you would use the UI and then you would lose the entities and then you yeah. would reload. And then, like, suddenly the UI version was not editable anymore. So it was, like, a lot of, a lot of, like, things around this that I didn't enjoy much. I believe that right now maybe it's in way better shape. Uh, but again, I already built lot lot of that in in Node-RED and yeah, and it is making a little bit more sense to me uh, because it's just nicer. You can you can quickly see what's not working, etc. Yeah, uh, I find I find the debug is really nice in Node-RED too, right? Where you can just yep, yep. flick on and off debugs as you need and stuff like that. Uh, exactly, which is nice. And like what I what I. Since I I mentioned in the beginning, like there is I, I do or I do enjoy the the, the self hosting part of that as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't like I hate Raspberry Pi for this because the <laughs> uh, well I mean if you would have it like with SSD or something it's it's already like you, sure. you can tolerate it I believe. Um, but uh, what I enjoy is like I have like. Uh, XCPNG virtualization, so I can like do snapshots. I'm not, mm. I'm not relying on on the backup that they may not be. I may not, I may not be able to restore them or whatever. Yeah. Or I need to somehow manage them, so I can, I can like quickly do snapshot bit before the before the update. And if it if something goes wrong, I can like really quickly restore it. And plus, I have like daily backups to to my NAS as well. Uh, so I'm I'm enjoying that part of of running my own like home production as well, which like, I don't know, it just, it just feels good. <laughs> so sure. uh, that, that's, that's the more part I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I'm building like a lot of stuff around not, uh, like home assistant as well, because uh, there is a cool project called Monica, uh, which is like a personal CRM where you can like note who has birthday one and what's their relationship with you. And when you met them, what are their contacts, kids, etc. And, uh, it has quite cool API, so you can query it with, uh, with the home assistant. And then I'm, for example, doing that daily. So it sends notification vice versa as well. Um, so it can, um, like, I'm, that's, for example, one thing I, and that's all self hosted. That's self hosted. Yes. It's, it's Monica CRM. Yep. And well, they build, it's funny behind the name because I know that they are right now building a new version, which is called Chandler. So I guess that's why. <laughs> oh, um, okay. So yeah, nice. I was, I was also like looking the reason behind this being named Monica before. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, for example, I really like, um, uptime Kuma, 
which is mm-hmm. like the uptime monitor. I have one at home, one at my uh, at my father's. I have like small Raspberry Pi there. Yeah. And what I actually like quite enjoy because um, it's not just that the uptime Kuma would be monitoring the endpoint. Like for example, it monitors the the Nabucasa endpoint for my instance, yeah. but yeah. also because I have like the VPN network, so it can like check directly the server if it's working or not. But what I like is that in Uptime Kuma, you can like do this opposite way that it publishes endpoint on its own. And then I have like an automation in Node-RED that checks all the major integrations in Node-RED and goes like like with the hue bridge if it's unavailable. If it's not, it just goes like forward and it checks like the Unify network, it checks like the Zigbee, et cetera. And if it passes all those checks, it's just it, it, it will just query this Uptime Kuma website and Uptime Kuma marks it as, okay, everything's working. If it wouldn't be checking, if it wouldn't check it within a minute, then the Uptime Kuma fires the notification. So I get, oh, okay, there is maybe like Zigbee doesn't work or something, right. something like that. It's interesting. It's interesting. There's something similar with, but actually, instead of doing like something like Uptime Kuma, I'm losing um, Home Assistant itself. So I use a whole bunch of template entities um, mm-hmm. and binary sensors um, using the curl command in Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll go out, I think it's every five minutes, they will do a, a ping to the local server in my network and say, okay, is this port open? Is it reachable? If it's not, then it just uh, flicks that binary sensor as a problem on. Um, and then I can get a notification in my Home Assistant dashboard to say, hey, uh, this service on that server isn't responding. And I'm going right. to a level now where Home Assistant can go, okay, uh, it will go in and attempt to restart that Docker container. And for things like um, Raspberry Pi that's hosting my uh, Z-Wave JS, I'm actually going to put a, a Zigbee smart switch behind it and just kill it remotely and then turn it back mm. on. Yeah. I think I think the only like the only thing here there though, Phil, is if Home Assistant itself is down or has like an API error or something like that, it won't fire. Yeah, in my yeah. case it will. Yeah. Whereas Jan's will. Yeah. yeah. So the, the I, I looked at Uptem Kuma for, for actually exactly that, but I didn't I wasn't able to get that uh detailed into it. I, I basically stopped at up down. Um but I'd, I'd love to see. Do you have that documented somewhere, Jan? I'd love to see. I I can. Um, can I share a screen or not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the audio listeners won't be able to see it, obviously. But that's 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 okay. But I can eventually post the links or people yeah, can I'd love to Discord. see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is this is basically how it works. It's basically fire every I don't know how much is it every forty five seconds. It just weighs checks the Z wave gateway. Oh no, this is not checking the gateway. Just one note of the Z wave decons unify. U, yeah. UDM, and then just it sends the HTTP request to the uptime Kuma, which hmm. then I have this noted passive. And how this configured is that I have this random URL right. of the uptime Kuma that if that's not being reached in every 60 seconds or whatever, it just fires this correct notification. So cool. Okay. I get, uh, and I mean, this is, this is something that I'm trying to, like, again, I was talking, this is already production, right? For me, at least. So it's, it is quite, uh, this is what I do for work, really, just to make sure that everything, yeah. the dub time is 100%. Um, although that's not possible ever, I believe, but, um, just that's, that's my, like, work and trying to translate that mindset into, into what I have at home as well is, is like at least what I what I see it behind it. 
And I know that this, like, taking the latest updates all the time is getting a little bit against it. But again, I have the snapshot so I can revert it quickly. And it's it's usually yeah. like, even with the breaking changes that comes with the Home Assistant, and I, I understand why there are so many breaking changes compared to other proje- projects because just Home Assistant is huge. And what other projects can say mm-hmm. that they are in the top 10 of the GitHub stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it will be always there. I don't think that you can like completely get, get around it, especially with like all the providers that you are querying inside the home assistant are getting like, um, uh, they are changing them, their minds, right? And they are disabling their services. So it's never really easy to do it without the breaking changes. And I know that people are like fighting against it, but I don't, I don't think that it's really possible to do. So it's unfortunate, but I think that you can, uh, yeah, everyone has to just get used to it. On the other hand, I don't see the reason why you couldn't just do backup before it and see if that mm. somehow affects you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, not maybe everyone has like this setup, so it's a little bit hard to let's say, especially when you're starting to somehow get let's say the config out of the out of the instance before you do the update, and then so yeah, I guess it it depends. But uh, yeah, I think taking taking it like the, this mindset that. You, you want that to be uptime as much as possible. And that's, that's, for example, why I said that I went with the Hue integration and, and taking the Hue bridge on its own, because again, not just yeah. the features, but also it works. And I am quite confident with, with them, like with the, I think, um, they are from Netherlands as well, like the Signify company that, that basically mm-hmm. does all the electronics. They just use the Philips to brand it, right? And, I'm fairly confident they, they are all for, uh, like open sourcing the, the access to, to their APIs. Although there, there are some limits with how much, how many times they, are, they have some throttling on the API, which I believe the Hue bridge is way too old, I believe, to be able to handle anything else. So I think that's just like safeguards. So no one can abuse the system itself. But yeah. so I think, uh, at least this is my mindset behind it to try to do. Like up, to try to do backups to try to make sure that it's uptime, and then if it's not, then just to get the notification. Yeah. Of course, like I'm not monitoring every single device. Like if if like that like temperature sensor somewhere goes like sure. without battery, and, and not all of the like sensors are like sense you know sending that they have like low battery. They they are hundred percent and suddenly zero. Um. So in that case, I will not get notification. Or it's unavailable, and in that case, I will not get notification. Um, and I don't mind. Like occasionally, this can happen, and I'll you notice eventually. Uh, but I don't. Yeah. And this is, for example, what like the uh, the IKEA stuff it's great for because the temperature and uh, humidity sensors, or yeah. not, they, they are, I think humidity, temperature, and and pressure. Um, yeah. They cost so. More, uh, they cost nothing. Yeah. So and they, they are, are like, so but cheap. they are not waterproof. But I still stick them outside. Let's like, if it breaks, uh, it's, it's it's a couple of bucks. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's super super cheap, and you can you can just use it and you can just get the new one. Same with the switches with the with the IKEA. Plus, they are magnetic, so you can like stick it on the fridge if you want. Yeah, like shortcut <laughs> to something. Uh so yeah. Have you got it shortcutted to anything? Have you thought about any shortcuts that you would use it for? Uh, well, for lights usually, like some scenes. That's that's most of the. But um, we have like uh, like vacuum, like the robotic vacuum, mm-hmm. and I specifically, we, I think it was like a year ago, 
and you were like, oh, we need one, right? Um, because you have like the dust bunnies everywhere, right? So it's yeah. like, oh, like you, you yeah. want that. Uh, so you don't have to care about, care about it. And it really helped. The, the only disadvantage is that, of course, when with something that's like somehow available in Home Assistant, and there are many of them that are like partially, and, but there was like this company. Oh, damn it. I completely forgot what's the, what's the name. And, <laughs> uh, oh, it's Ecolux. And they have quite cool vacuum cleaners. And, but there is like only unofficial, uh, integration. Yeah. That's the D-Bots, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. But it's no, uh, yeah, exactly. The D-Bot, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it, the integration's working fine. But the problem is that the, all of the advanced features, they are, Somehow it's hard to translate them because yeah. what I what I did is I built quite can I somehow sh- I can show it I believe so I have I have like huge automation for for that then I have like input boolean for for each room and it's it's just checking which which I turned on and if I turn it on it sends it to that room. And if I turn it off, it stops vacuuming. And if it's on one switch, the other one will not get on. It will just automatically turn off as well. Oh, wow. Um, so, and it will just tell me like, oh, are you already vacuuming? So don't, don't turn on other. I could, of course, like very old, yeah. like put it inside a like queue or something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like, I wanted something so I can translate it into the home kit. And it's, it wasn't easy because I think the, you couldn't like publish vacuum cleaner directly to HomeKit. Um, so the input billing was basically the way to go. And I use it a lot, quite, quite a lot. But like some logic behind it and so, so to prevent like uh, some edge cases, etc. So it was, it's always like, it was quite hard to, quite hard to get around it. But uh, yeah, it was always challenging, but I guess that's that's the things that, that eventually come. I also have to like sometime uh, enable maintenance because it was broken once. So we had to like service, we have to service it or send it to service. And so then I wanted to just turn on the maintenance. Like if someone accidentally like switch it on, just not to do anything. And because right. I think the, um, there are many use cases, but like, again, I don't have anything that I would be extra showing off. I think there are m- many people and there are m- many other countries where like lights and, and like those lights, like light fixture, uh, fixtures and uh, all of the Christmas uh, lights around the house where it's like very popular. And yeah, uh, no, that's not really in Sweden and like you can have it, but it's, it's not like that with blinking. So it's like on off. Right. So it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not that popular. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think, I think there are many, many other that I'm quite happy about as is for the, for the Monica and Chandler and, or maybe doing some like levels, uh, like you can brew your own, like, uh, something I can use it for beer or this times woogie, which is, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I can explain it or my wife could probably, but like doing, um, <laughs> instead of like making somehow timing inside the node thread. I think that's that's something that I got burned quite early because like if you start timer at node no thread and you restart the whole home assistant, the timer is gone. So right. there are a few few things that mm. like, okay, I need to I need to set I need to set it as a timestamp and then and then retrieve the timestamp later or periodically retrieve the timestamp if it's maybe already the time. 
So there are a few like yep. edge cases, but uh, can you can you can you dump the timestamp into like MQTT and then read it back in from there in case it resets? No, what 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 I do is that I just have it as input down date, date time. So okay, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it's an entity inside a home assistant. Yeah. So, so I yeah I I do well I not much use MQTT. I, it's it's more. For me, it's more like playing. I I don't want that yeah, extra yeah. layer between stuff. Eventually, I believe it will. It has to come, but I it's right now. I don't have to. The the only yeah. thing that I use the MQTT for is that I'm playing with like this LoRa, like it's ultra distance, low bandwidth mm-hmm. communication. The LoRaWAN. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, yeah, the LoRaWAN is I think one one implementation. Yeah, but. Yeah, the LoRa itself, the technology, and I'm I have like antenna on the on the balcony and trying to reach as far as possible. I'm fairly sure that my my seven kilometers that I reached is I'm probably not using the the allowed power and <laughs> I'm probably yeah. above it. But so I right now it's off. But that's the only thing that I use the MQTT for because it can can like push inside. Uh, one thing that I enjoy also on the on the hardware side is I have like the both the decons and and uh, Z-Wave JS, I have that, and on I have that actually on Raspberry Pi uh, mm-hmm. because I want to in my home server because I actually have like two servers, so I can like migrate live migrate between those servers if I want to do hardware maintenance or like upgrades or whatever on one, I can like switch it to other to another one without downtime. Uh, but I want to be sure that the USB is not a limitation, so the USB sticks are not. So right. I, I'm having like separate Raspberry Pi that has like just those, those two t- st- those two sticks, like one for Z-Wave, one for uh, Zigbee, and they are like through the network protocol. So the the cons they have API, and the Z-Wave JS that's some like I don't know what protocol is that. Um, so I don't I don't need the downtime in case that I want to upgrade like one server. Like the How do you server. find running Z-Wave JS on a Raspberry Pi? Like, what version of the Pi are you using to run it on? Pi four, and I just run it as, a, as a, in, inside a Docker, yeah. and it's working completely fine. I don't, I don't have really any any issues. Nice. The only thing that sometimes like the timing for the upgrades are not available. Oh, sorry, I said it wrong. But sometimes the, the the timing when I do like the Home Assistant update and I forgot yep. to do the update for the Z-Wave JS. I get right. like notifications so inside different, the different places and yeah. it's not matching. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes that happens, but it's not a huge deal. Like I can just quickly upgrade the upgrades you have just ZWFJS as well. Sure. And it's working fine. I use a Pi 3, I think it's just a, maybe a 3B. Um, and I'm using a pretty old ZWave stick. I found that um, for whatever reason, uh, my ZWave network will just stop responding and memory gets overloaded and i'm unsure if it's the radio usb that's getting overloaded or if it's just the pi running out of memory or something so i might have to experiment well, running I, I don't think that the, the, that the stick itself has like much much information inside so yeah, I, I don't think so yeah. blame the blame the it's probably the pi. if you're if you're on cli mm-hmm. phil you can use something like htop to get like prettier graphs and stuff like that and yeah and see what's happening there but but i i think that this um yeah i would more blame the the pi rather than yeah. because i believe that that um the the raspberry pi 3 i think there was like a really border case of the memory especially if you if you like yeah. 
running running Docker and maybe some mm. newer version of the OS or whatever. I think it, it you can you can reach it quite quickly. And yeah, as you know, like everything grows on on memory. So yeah, or or there can be they can have some like really weird memory leak on 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 the on the version of the hardware that could or some combination that that could cause this. So I would rather say the Raspberry Pi than the than the um, USB itself. I, I don't really so. see that that would go anywhere. I think it's a really yeah, dumb device. Just, so yeah, for whatever reason, like the way of JS, like the in the uh, consoles, just like uh, USB hardware or something like that, um, memory failure or something like that, they work unreachable or whatever. Um, but I think yeah, I'll just have to experiment, move it around from a Raspberry Pi to something else and. And see if I still well, see it. I guess I guess you can you can just back up the the, the the VHS and just try to put it for a few minutes on the on the home assistant itself. Exactly. Yeah. In, yeah. Install the install it there as add on and and see if it do, does the same thing. If it does, then you are clear on what's what's causing it. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know. It it may uh, hard to say hard to say. Like I guess that's what the locks are for. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's <laughs> it. And Google. <laughs> and Google. Uh, and Stack Overflow. Yeah. That's right. Um, I have a question for you, actually. Like, what's, yeah. what's your, uh, what's like your ideal setup? Like, what, what would you like to have in the future? And, and how, how do you imagine like your, your future home, your future smart home will look, 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 look like? Ooh. Phil, why don't you kick that one off? <laughs> I need to think about my answer for that one. I was hoping you would go first for the same reason. Um, <laughs> what, what do I want my future home look? Um, I don't. I think I'm pretty close to where I want it to be. I don't want it to be too futuristic. Like I think um, right now, my home, like the blinds are automated, which I just got hidden motors in them. Right, I still look like blinds. Like if you were just looking at my house. It would just be a, a normal blind, right? But they're voice controlled switches. I have pretty fancy switches now, um, which have Fabaro's that wave dimmers behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can walk up to them, hit them. Um, I wouldn't mind motion sensors that can be discreetly hidden in the wall. Right now I have um, mm-hmm. the Aquara FP1s stuck up in corners of the rooms. Um, I have a couple of uh, old Z wave. 4-in-1 AOTech um, sensors that stick out like anything, like just up in the wall. They look horrendous. I wouldn't yeah. mind something that's just discreet um, but very right. high precision, right? Um, using the Xiaomi FP1s, like walking into a room, um, within, you know, 30 seconds, the lights turn off. Um, they just uh, – that level of um, smart home is pretty good. I wouldn't mind – what what if – if, about the FP1, if you if you mm. like sit down for for a while, does it still recognize that you are there? Yeah, it's it can, yeah. It can detect your breathing. It's that um, pretty good, yeah. right? Assuming uh, assuming it's positioned correctly, right? Like, I mean, yes, Phil, when yeah. we did that episode of uh, All Things Smart Home, that's one of the things that we were chatting about is is the positioning of the FP1. It has to be pointed, yeah, the right way. Yeah, um, right. I have also noticed for whatever reason with that sensor. Um, sometimes it is hard to detect me leaving a room. So I'll enter the room. It will go, you know, motion is, or, or, this room is occupied, but then it won't mark the room is unoccupied. And there is a button in the soft button that you can press to say reset the sensor. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't um, mm. for whatever reason. 
Um, so I would like something more reliable, but um, yeah, I just like everything to be, and I guess this is what matters is supposed to solve. I just want everything that is smart to be able to communicate better with each other so that I don't have to have, you know, a Raspberry Pi with two different radios and, um, you know, things from Wi-Fi getting hacked or yeah. Wi-Fi devices that only support 2.4G networks. Um, that, that one is a personal drives me up the wall. Uh, and if you have the really, like, budget ones that if your 5G and 2G Wi-Fi networks are named the same, it won't work. Like, yeah. it just craps out. I, I don't, I don't, well, what I do is that I have uh, two SSIDs. The, mm, yeah, the, fa- the like the personal devices, like the one that you expect to have the 5G available, those are both. They are on, on the same like name. They are both. Yep. But then the IoT is only 2.4. Right. Specifically for that reason. Although some of the devices can do 5 gigahertz as well, it's um, from that reason. I don't. I don't. I don't do that. I don't want to be fighting with it being connected to the wrong one or whatever. Yeah. But in general, I don't like, I have like zero issues with, with Wi-Fi. And, mm. but it's also because it's, again, we were talking, uh, about the, about the Wi-Fi itself or about the network and, and about the fact that like me and my wife, we work both from work from home. Although she not that often, but me basically, even before coronavirus. And I, it was just like one must have was like proper network. So it's, it's basically full, full unify and everything. But the thing is that I think that with a proper presence sensor and somehow making invisible, I think the best way is actually a camera. If you, if you have like person detection inside a camera and most of the new ones can do that, uh, you can, I think that's the most reliable that I would like to try. Um, because you can, like either the camera has some recognition on its own, or you can definitely run it through some some software, um, and not necessarily cloud, but some some software. And like I know that this is <laughs> a little bit maybe too expensive, but the the Unify they does this. Yeah. Uh, the new they have like new camera that's uh, that you supposed to have all the electronics like somewhere behind the wall, and then you have like that really small camera mm. that you can like have inside the wall. Yeah, and, like hidden. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's that they aim for like the luxury shop or whatever, of but course. you don't want to have like the nice like the ugly cameras everywhere. So uh, then you've got to have cameras think, around the house doing like watching you to see if there's a human. In <laughs> yeah, it's creepy. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. I have, uh, yeah, so we do, like, at the entrance. Um, yeah. And that's very much it. Oh, yeah, I have I have one on the balcony, but it's, like, bad resolution, and I, I'm doing time-lapse, and that's what I'm yep. doing. <laughs> so it doesn't, like, it, it. you can't really recognize even in, in a person, like, in yeah. the, whoever's working, walking there. Like a car, yeah. yes, but person, no. But it's, it's, uh, so it's doing time lapse because, uh, we see like the, the Oresund bridge directly from the, from the, the bridge between oh, nice. Denmark and Sweden directly cool. from, from the window. And, and like, if you have like sunset or sunrise, so I'm actually using home assistance to know the timing and to do the time lapse. So it's saving like the JPEG oh, every, cool. every half an hour. That's neat. And, or yeah, something like that. And then I'm just building, uh, like, trying to script the proper timing out of, out of the time-lapse. I think right now I have like two years worth of time-lapse. Wow. Uh, so, well, well, I didn't put it like done yet, but I want to, I want to try it, but I think maybe it's That's time cool. because I, I, I forgot 
until I was talking about it right now. So <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for reminding. There you go. <laughs> Rohan, what funny. do you think your future smart home needs to look like? I think, I think I'm kind of share the answer with you in the sense that most of it, I think is there for me already. Uh, a couple of things I do want to focus on again, smart blinds, cause all of mine are dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, there's actually a, an interesting article a friend of mine, Alex, wrote that uh, around smart blinds and stuff like that, or, or how he made his uh, smart. And I actually like the approach. Uh, maybe I'll put the, I'll send a link in the show note, Phil. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, even a lot of that. So that's a big focus of mine. Uh, I want to do more around, like, I want to, I'd love to get solar in, oh, in yeah same. you know it, that that is assuming if i move out and and i have the ability to to do so uh that would be that would be pretty cool i think uh so other than that we have, though, the, same, think, we have the same condition if i move on <laughs> yeah yeah right like it's 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 hard it, it's very costly to retrofit too but i mean even even otherwise even if i do move out it, it's still going to be a retrofit it's just little less disruption i think um, and then, and then this one's actually one I've been thinking about lately, which is, uh, like in closets and stuff like that within the cabinets and stuff, doing way more lighting, way more, uh, that kind of yeah. stuff. Some of the stuff I can't because it's already built in. Uh, so I can't do a ton with, with that kind of lighting, but AliExpress, uh, man. Like, oh, yeah, I, totally. AliExpress, you, totally. you, can, you can buy it in Ikea, actually. You have like mm. those lights that you just stick at the top of, like, yeah. before the door. So if you open the doors, it just lights. Exactly. But then you, it's not a home assistant, really. <laughs> it's, which, which I don't mind that it's, it's not, it's not home assistant. I, I'd love, I'd prefer if it was, but it's, it, that's not a make or break, I think, right? Like, mm. but it would be, it would be cool. Uh, like, even in, like, eventually we're going to, we're, we're saving up right now, but eventually we want to redo our kitchen. Right. Mm. So when I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure there's going to be, uh, there's going to be like lights in, nice. in the drawers, yeah. stuff like that. Think, things that are just little functional thing, aesthetic as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then, and then just b- basically standardizing on, uh, bulbs and stuff like that, which is easy enough to do. I mean, right now, most of my bulbs, yep. I, it's, it, they're not smart bulbs. So it's, it's a lot less costly. It's just, I don't know. I think it's also kind of wasteful if I'm just taking bulbs, chucking them, and then putting in other bulbs, right? So unless unless there's a specific need for it, uh, yeah. Other than that, I think for the most part, that's I'd love to uh, monitor. Like right now, I have uh, Nest Protects as well. So like for smart uh, fire alarm and smoke detector, or smoke detector and uh, mm. carbon monoxide, I'd love to throw in. Uh, natural gas in there as well it's just mm. you know having having just come back for from a trip one of the things that i did do is like turn off all of my things that were natural gas driven stuff like that uh not everything though right like mm. there's certain things that did that did remain and like right. again my heater for the house is mm. uh natural gas driven right but uh and at the same because and i can't just turn it off because it's getting colder now and like all of my plants will die and so on so I'd love to see any of those. If there's any any good recommendations for folks that have like, uh, preferably Zigbee based uh, or even Z-Wave based or Z-Wave. Yes, I saw ones. there was there was quite few. Yeah, um, that you could you could use not just the sensor but also like um, a valve valve. Like you can like turn off the gas yeah. and anything. And uh, I think that's 
that's quite cool. Like yeah. my 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 plan eventually would be not having bu- to switch batteries. Yeah, like that would be that would be, that really would cool. be like the amazing. Yeah, like eventually, we move to house or something. Then of course solar as well, and and being like partially off grid at least. Um, but right now, like only the batteries are eventually like it's not that it's not even like monthly. I would have to change them. No, so it's it's. It, yeah, I don't know. Like it's uh, it's not that often. Like, no, I think I'm, like I'm like at a six month cycle for the, or maybe even yeah. a year, depending on what devices, right? So the the one that like like switches, it's fine because uh, yeah. again, most of the stuff you can turn on in the in the phone or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so you can like switch it, and I have like extra batteries all all the time available. Uh, what bothers me is then like for example, like we have magnetic sensors on the fridge and freezer. So in case it's like longer on, it like repeats the mm-hmm. notification to home assistant again to the person that's home to like to close it, right? Mm. But then if that's if that's somehow not working, then it's not ideal. Although like the fridge and freezer, they both like do like high pitch noise in case that it's too yeah. long open. Uh, so like you would know, but still, uh, what maybe, if you've left the house before? Yeah, exactly. You can't yeah, hear exactly. That beep, right. So there are some things that I would maybe like improve and one of those would be definitely not to use batteries. Like you could use like ESP32 or something with the ESP home and then just have like wired wired detectors or something that if it's open or not and then the ESP most likely will be like USB plugged into in. power, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's also a solution. And um, yeah, Jan, thank you so much. Um, I'm probably going to leave it there. Thank you for coming on today. Um, sharing, we will have a link to the video that you've shared today of your setup for people that aren't watching on YouTube. Sure. Um, and yeah, we'll leave other links to in the show notes as well, as usual. Otherwise, cool. thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks cool. so much. Yeah, again, it was really cool to meet you. <laughs> of course. Likewise. Cheers. All right, cheers. Bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.